This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to Late Boomers. Today, our guest is Donna Ferris, founder of a yoga and transformation coaching business called minichangeyoga.com. She is also in corporate America and participates in mentoring programs for younger professionals. And I'm Mary Elkins. Donna has raised two children and has an MBA in finance. She has both a 250 yoga teacher and three-year yoga therapy certification, which includes life, grief, and addiction coaching therapy. She just published her first book, We've Got to Stop Meeting Like This, a memoir of misconnections. Welcome, Donna. I can't wait to hear more about the book. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's just an honor and a pleasure. So thank you. Thank you. We'd love to hear how you found yourself on your current career path. Were there educational choices and mentors that led you to this? Yes, that's a great question. I, um, as you mentioned, I'd been in corporate America for about 20 years and had done the thing that we typically do, which is reach for material things, reach for promotions, you know, thinking that the next step in the ladder was going to be the thing that was going to make me happy. And as my daughter was, my oldest daughter was going off to college, I realized I was going to quickly be an empty nest. I still had one more child at home, but I was really close to her, uh, the one that was leaving um, close to the other one as well. But you know, you know how it is. You have this child leaving you and you realize that your job as a mother is slowly coming to an end um, and work wasn't enough for me. And you know, at the time, my marriage was a little stale, I would say, um, kindly. So uh, I, I went, decided to become a yoga teacher and started this journey to become a yoga teacher. So I had, you know, some yoga teacher friends that mentored me, told me where to go. Um, but I really had nobody in corporate America that was telling me that this was the right thing to do. They were, <laughs> they were you know, if anything, I was supposed to go get a doctorate in some, you know, finance or quantitative degree. So I, I really took, I, I think of it as the road not taken. I really just, you know, fell off the, the corporate ladder uh, and really took a sideways step um, to do this yoga teacher training. Um, and then my life kind of imploded. <laughs> so you think you're going into this, you know, to have this great peaceful awakening, you know, uh, eat, pray, love. She finds uh, wonderful <laughs> things and uh, or Under the Tuscan Sun, she goes off and everything goes wonderfully. And those were two books and movies I adored. Um, none of that happened for me. <laughs> it went <laughs> completely sideways. Uh, well, we're going to hear a lot more about that, I'm sure. And the, and <laughs> we are. And The Road Taken. So, yes, The Road Taken. Nice. Yeah. Let's talk a little about grief. Kathy and sure. I have both recently lost our husbands. And we'd like to hear how you learned to deal with grief 
and how you teach people to live through it. Thank you. I, um, you know, in the course of this three years of time that I actually ended up writing about, which was a, a big part of my grief recovery really was being able to write through uh, what I went through. And, and during this time, you know, I got divorced and I lost two people very close to me. So it happened so quickly, I couldn't deny it. Um, you know, and I tried to, you know, I certainly try to, you know, muscle through the divorce. And then when the second loss happened, I tried to muscle through that. But the third one happened three months after the second one. So I oh. had no choice. You know, I had absolutely no choice, but to, and, and luckily I was taking yoga therapy training at the same time. So I was, you know, learning all of these um, Eastern philosophies about uh, accepting things and feeling things and understanding that we can't uh, resist because resistance actually creates trauma and creates the suffering. So that really helped me. So that, so, so learning all that and having to go through it and not being able to um, deny it anymore uh, helped me get through it. Um, and, and, and that's one of the big things I, I talk to people about when they're going through grief is um, we have to accept what's happening to us. Um, you know, initially when, when a big loss hits, uh, of course, we're going to swim. We're going to try to swim through it. And, and there's certain, you know, rituals and things that you have to do. Right. And that kind of keeps you occupied. But as you move forward, you know, and start to come to the reality that life is, is changing. It's easy to like, look for things to numb, right. And look for other things to do and fill your time. But, um, that doesn't last, right? It actually prolongs the grief. Um, one of the things I did in this time frame was I drank too much, um, and uh, that does not help. <laughs> I won't be the first one to tell you. And there's actually a, um, I did an article on this um, recently that it actually extends the grief because you're numbing so much and you actually never feel the feelings, right? So then, um, you know, you end up feeling the grief longer uh, because of the numbing. So, mm. so I really try to work with people around feeling the feelings and taking care of yourself as you feel the feelings. So, you know, doing some form of self-care or healthy self-care uh, as you do that, because eventually they do get easier to manage, um, but, but, but um, rejecting them or numbing them doesn't really help. Yeah. And I know you've been through a number of different types of difficulties. So yes. what would you say is something you did to get through them? Would you say that would be number one, getting sober or something else? You know, I think the, the number one thing is, is building structure um, and something that you do every day, um, mm. you know, to, to get yourself out of bed. I mean, for me, mm. um, after that third loss, it was, it was really difficult um, to get out of bed some days. And Luckily, I had the work, you know, I had a job that I had to do. So that is something that you can use to muscle through in the beginning, you know, to, you know, because you have to get through in the beginning. It's really hard, as, as you know, um, in the beginning, just the shock of it is too hard to bear. You can't bear the whole thing in the beginning. So it's helpful to have things to do. I think that's why rituals like funerals and memorial services and, you know, all the things, the financial things are really helpful in that time because you have something to do, right? Yes. While you're not able to feel it. Um, but then there's the time, you know, a month or two months later where you do have to start to feel it. And for me, you know, creating a daily practice of some sort. So for me, it was, I would get up, um, get a cup of coffee, <laughs> which was always my first thing. And then I would read something that was helpful, you know, uh, that would 
lift me in this time. I tended to read things like Pema Children's When Everything Falls Apart, um, which is not the, the happiest title, but it really helps you kind of read a, to read about, for me, it helped me read about other people going through difficult times. And then I would meditate because that allowed me to, to learn to train my mind to calm, you know, to calm it um, and, and just, you know, befriend my brain a little bit so that I could stop the spinning. Um, and then I, I decided for myself, uh, I needed to do, and I've talked to other people that, that um, do grief coaching. I decided to find something daily um, to, memorialized the person that had, um, mm, had I I'd like lost. That. Oh, I like so that. Yeah. What I, and, and what she had, what she said, this is Maria Soros, who I highly recommend. Um, she Soros? suggested, um, yes, Soros, it's um, oh. S-I-R-O-I-S. F-I-R-O-I-S. Okay. And she teaches a, she has a book called A Short Course in Happiness. Um, and she also does a, a, a retreat on that, which I went to. And she suggests doing a monthly um, memorial types of things. So she would, um, you know, give up, like they would be healthy. So she would give up things, you know, maybe give up chocolate for a month or um, what I did, um, which I was not able to give up chocolate a month. Um, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I would be the same way. Just, that's too much to ask. Um, so what I did is I created, started creating memes every day of quotes that were inspiring me. So I started posting them and I posted them for a full year um, after uh, uh, Mario died. And, um, and I continue to post now. So I, 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 it became a thing and it was a way for me to connect um, and connect with other people going through things because a lot of people knew what I was doing. Um, and it was, it was just, it created a community for me uh, that I continue uh, to benefit from today. I've made a lot of friends through that. Can you tell us where you post those memes? Yep. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Instagram is, uh, my handle I is at- I had trouble finding you, so tell us oh, okay. what your handle is. My handle is at down dog diva. Down, so down dog diva. Oh, that okay. makes sense. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> and um, on Facebook, I think I'm Don, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm Donna Yates Ferris. Um, ah. So Y A T E S and then Ferris F E R R I S. Yeah, that would I think that would Great. give us both hope and yeah, and give us something to do every day. I love that. I know that right after my husband died, I decided I would have to make the bed every day. Just little teeny things like that to let you know yeah. that you're you're progressing, that you haven't lost your mind. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's a really good one. Um, yeah. it, it, it's hard. It's hard to get out sometimes, I think. Um, and I write a little bit about that. I don't spend a ton of time in that in that piece, but there's a lot there. I think uh, walking the dogs are really is really helpful. I think. Yeah, uh, we both have absolutely. dogs. Yeah, I think that was my dogs, you know, really saved me in this time frame because um, I had me never too. really been alone. Before. There are a lot of days I wouldn't like to get up unless I had to walk the dog. I yeah. just got to go out and you have to get up. <laughs> you can't yeah, you have to get up. And, and, and that's what um, I've learned is there, you don't have, you have to look for a little bit of happiness in your day. It's not a lot. You're not going to get to even 10% happier, which is the Dan Harris um, book. You know, 10% is, is almost impossible, but 3% you can probably get to. So if you can think of something that just lifts you up a little bit, 
so that each day you have a little bit of that. And eventually, you know, you're able to walk out of it and say, okay, you know, we're never going to, we're never going to um, replace this loss. It's always going to be there. And there's always going to be days where it's difficult, but we, at least for me, I eventually got to the point where I could look at it as more happier days and happier memories and not get caught in the trauma of it. Uh, um, so I hope that's helpful. It is. Thank you. It's wonderful advice. And how have all your experiences changed you from who you were to who you are now? It's changed me a lot. I, uh, if my daughter the other day, uh, my oldest daughter said to me, um, she, she, she said she was channeling me. She was actually defending me against somebody. Um, and she said, I just channeled, you know, you know, you're my mom. I channeled Donna. Um, cause in the old days I could be kind of scary. I mean, I was a 20, I'd been in corporate America for a long time. I was a salesperson in the investment industry. So I was surrounded by men. Um, so I had to really be pretty strong willed and, um, and I had to be a, I don't want to say aggressive maybe, but I was definitely had to be firm in what I did. And so if I came into a room and needed to get something done, I was a driver. I didn't really care all the, always how much everybody else was affected by that. So, you know, if you had talked to me uh, 20 years ago, I think it would have been a much different you know, conversation. And, and I, and I, you know, I think I, um, you know, probably hurt some people in that process of, of climbing up the corporate ladder. And, um, so I, I, I think in the course of this, I, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I think it's, it's a little bit in the book, but I mean, I was, I had some um, childhood dysfunction and I was, I was abused by my mother. So, you know, I didn't know what love was really. And so I had to kind of learn that through the course of this time and, and this wonderful person who I lost. Um, but I, you know, that was part of it. I mean, I had to kind of you know, in yoga, we talk a lot about karma. I mean, I had a lot of karma to burn. I mean, I had karma from my past. Um, and we say in, in yoga, there's not just your past, but it's also your family's past, right? So it's the yeah. karma that they bring with them as well. So I had a lot of karma to burn. Um, but once you do that, then you come out the other side and you're able to, you know, see things differently because um, you've kind of- yeah burned away a lot of that pain and a lot of that victim, you know, that victim mental state that I had. Um, we, what they, made you- they, I'm sorry. I just uh, have an extra question here. Um, yeah. What I I understand that trauma can be inherited. Mm-hmm. It is. And I, and that's exactly what happened. My mother was abused and, um, and never, you know, and never had the opportunity to work on it. Right. So, and, and, and I think a lot of people in our generation um, had this, right? We had people, you know, parents that were struggling, you know, financially, um, didn't have the tools. And, you know, I was raised in, in a fairly loving, you know, family, but I still was, you know, mentally and sometimes physically abused. I, you know, I I think this happens, right? And so what what as a mom, I wanted to do is stand up and not do that to my kids. So that was, that was a, a thing that I worked on, you know, as soon as I started having kids, that was the thing I just did not want to do. Um, so, and that took a long time to fix. I mean, I, you know, you can say you're not going to do it to your kids, but you still have all this stuff that you have to work on and then not do that to anybody. Yeah. Right. What made you decide to get sober and what approach did you use? Oh, great. Um, 
so that was kind of the last pin of all of this, um, you know, the numbing that I was doing with, with drinking. And then I wasn't, you know, when I came out as, you know, not drinking anymore, most people said, well, you didn't have a drinking problem. I mean, you know, they, they didn't see it at all. It was, but for me, it happened in COVID. So I actually wrote an article for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette about this. Um, because when we all got locked down, you know, here I was, I'm, you know, a wellness person, um, got through grief. Um, you know, I was, you know, checking out of the grocery store and I got four, you know, cartons of almond milk and salad and tomatoes and then six bottles of Chardonnay. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And, you know, you know, thanks to all this yoga stuff, I've, in a meditation, I've learned to be aware, right? And I looked at that and I went, yeah, that's not healthy. (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know, but, but you continue to have, for me, I had continued to have these thoughts, right? And, and so, you know, but within two weeks of, you know, one to two weeks of, of the shutdown, I was a member of five wine clubs because I was really worried about not having wine. And I had, because they ship it to you when you can't ship it to you because you can't go to the store. Yeah. You can't go to the store. And um, so I realized there was a problem. It took me almost a full year to quit um, because I wrote, I started writing, you know, I was writing my book. I was finishing it up at that, in that year, in that first year of COVID. And um, one of my beta readers, and I'm still drinking, one of my beta readers for the book said, and we're sitting on Zoom, just like you and, you know, we are today. And she said, well, I, you know, I'm kind of disappointed. I thought you were going to write about your drinking problem. Oh, mm. and I sat back and I went, oh yeah, I probably should. And, and then I was just like, oh my God, I think I have to admit I have a drinking problem. And I was mad, which <laughs> really mad at her. Yeah. Um, Cause I was like, what is she talking about? And then, you know, I had to look at the book and, and, you know, there's, there's more than one blackout scene you know, in the book. And I just thought that was normal, you know, and, and then, you know, yeah. And, and just then, then after that, I I had to come, uh, you know, come to Jesus on it. And I happened to be walking three days later, um, listening to a Dan Harris, 10% happier podcast and Annie Grace from this naked mind. Um, she wrote a book, a memoir, um, was on, and she has something called the 30 day, I guess it's 31 day, uh, alcohol experiment. And, and she walks you through it. Um, every day you get like a video and, and, um, you know, she, she really talks you out of alcohol. Um, so if you don't want to quit, don't, don't do it (laughs) (laughs) because it will, it will bring you there. Um, Uh and, and that's how I did it. I did it. I, you know, it took me 30 days. Um, and then I just kept going and I've been sober for, I think over 400 days now. Do you miss it? Um, not really. I, I, I think at this stage of my life, because of the health issues that it creates, um, I think, and, and just, I, I really like to sleep and I didn't sleep well when I was oh. drinking. I love sleeping. <laughs> um, so I, I don't think I'd go back, but I, you know, I, I think it's an everyday thing, right? You have to, you have to commit to it every day. Yeah, um, it is like, like anything else, like, you know, diet or like everything trying to get sober. How did you hold on to a job while going through all of these terrible times and all these difficulties? 
Yeah, I had really good, a really good boss, um, multiple bosses through this. Um, but work was a place of, of um, respite for me. I think I, um, I liked the structure of it. Um, and I really didn't have a choice to kind of fall apart. I mean, I think, you know, I, ha I had two kids, um, both were going through college at this time. Um, and I had a house. I didn't, you know, I, and one thing is, you know, one negative and well, one positive thing about not having parents that were there for you is that you've always had to be there for yourself. So I didn't really have the chance to fall apart. Um, so that was a good thing. So I had to keep my job and that was really good for me. And, um, and actually one of the really positive things about yoga um, and this transformation that it brought me um, is that I did better at work as a result, you know, cause I wasn't getting, you know, I wasn't getting myself into the dramas anymore. I wasn't, um, creating, you know, problems for, for people. I was focused on doing my best and going home and, um, and that, that made me more successful, believe it or not. That's so, great. Uh, what do you think you, you re what do you think you regret the most? I think you, the thing is you do with your kids. I think, mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, could I've handled the divorce better? Yes. You know, could I have, um, I mean, I wish I had drank less. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I think there's a lot of, t when you lose people and, and, and maybe you'll, you'll agree with me, you want those times back. And there were so many times I numbed, you know, when I was with uh, people that I loved. And, um, and so I, I'm, I'm sad I missed those times. I think that's one of the biggest benefits of being sober is I don't lose those hours at night after work anymore. Um, you know, we go see sunsets um, and, oh. you know, do things together as opposed to um, sitting in front of the TV, which is not a bad thing. I love TV, but, you know, I would just, you know, how I would just completely lose three hours of my life every night. So I'm, I regret that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. It's, it's uh, tough to, to deal with what you don't, when you look back and you think, gee, if I could only live those days again, how would I handle them differently? Or you'd say I would handle them another way. But, yeah. Yeah. But, and I think the things I worried about, right. I think that that was a, con that's a constant um, lesson for me is the, I tend to, you know, I, I think a lot of people do, I, we tend to focus on all these little things, right. All these little annoyances, um, and boy, I would, I would, I wish I hadn't said some of the things I did around stupid things. And I wish I just hadn't wasted the energy on it. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's something that you do and, and you certainly do it worse when you drink. <laughs> I mean, cause it just makes all of the energy worse. It makes all of the feelings worse. Yeah. So, What's yeah. the most important thing our listeners can do to improve their ability to navigate change? Accept it. Accept hmm. the change. Accept the change, um, and then and also um, look look beyond it, right? So don't don't get stuck in it. Um, let it flow. I think um, one of the things, the great things about a sun salutation, if you've ever done one, is it takes you through a flow of movement, right? And it just keeps coming back. And I read this the other day is that. In the West, we tend to be very, everything has to go straight up. You know, we don't think of things as being um, cyclical or, you know, in cycles. And we would benefit from remembering that things are cycles, right? And so 
um, changes just here and and if we can befriend the change and this is a masterclass this is not something that i do every day i mean i am just like everybody else i think i resist change when it comes but then if i can step back and not harm myself in any way by making a big fuss and and then try to look for um the cycle of this you know what where is there any opportunity here is there anything i can learn here um could i possibly is it possible i could get it could be a good thing you know Day one, I'm not there. Day five, I might be there. You know, I might be able to see, you know, there's something here positive. And I think that's a that's a big one. I think because change, um, you know, we sometimes we think it's just the end of everything. And and that's just the way we're built. You know, we makes us worried that we're not going to be taken care of or we're going to be left behind. And there's all these like these are all these primal things that get stirred up. And if we can just remember that those are just primal things and say, hey, you know, Thank you, body. Thank you, mind, for trying to help me. But I'm going to try to look at this differently. Um, we'd, yeah. be, we'd be better served. Yeah. Well, what is that quote? Nothing ever stays the same except change. Exactly. It's exactly right. Exactly What's your right. advice to someone who wants to write or create their way out of difficult times? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Do it. I mean, I, I, and that's one of the things I, I um, teach in my um, in my change courses is that finding a creative outlet, whatever it is for you is, and we're all creative in some way, um, is is really key. And I think it's something to try to do, um, you know, daily if you can, um, but but at least enough that it makes a difference in your life. And and it can be anything. It can be for me. It was writing, um, but it's acting, um, singing cooking, um, quilting, any kind of art, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can do. Um, but for me, like riding a horse, exactly. Riding a horse. Um, physical activity is a great, um, one as well, but anything that you can do that, um, makes you forget about time. That's a Brene Brown, um, suggestion, anything that makes you forget about time. And it, you know, and that's not, you know, unhealthy. (laughs) So um, Mm -hmm. those are really important. What's your view of success today? Um, It's changed dramatically. I think it's, it's a lot, having a place to go that allows me to be my genuine self um, as much as possible. And I recognize that I can't always be, you know, certainly everybody at work isn't going to let me um, do meditation to start a meeting, although I wish they would. Um, but, I, you know, I, if I can start to be more of myself at work and, and I've had that, that blessing um, to be able to bring, you know, some of these tools into work and, and, and really mentor um, people coming up, uh, you know, in their thirties and forties that are facing a lot of the same kind of, you know, stresses and challenges that I did, um, you know, family, you know, trying to be in your career and, and, you know, just, uh, you know, the incredible changes that we've had to face in, in the workforce uh, through COVID. Um, So, uh, you know, that, that, that's the success is being able to, to bring those gifts um, that I've learned, um, those tools that I've learned, and then to, you know, to be myself as much as possible and not have to have a compartmentalized person uh, coming into the office. That's a, that's a gift. That's a, that's success. Yeah, it sounds like it. Your coaching technique includes yoga instruction. So have your clients had big breakthroughs using these things together? Yeah, I mean, I haven't 
I, I have. I mean, I, I think what I love about the yoga therapy um, focus is you get right to the core beliefs of the person and then you can help them get through change much quicker. I think, um, so like, for example, in my book, I, uh, my yoga therapist, who was my instructor at the time, I came in so angry about my husband's cheating and he didn't let me sit there and, and, and um, rant about it. He right away said, what is your core belief about marriage? Uh-huh. And, and what my core belief was is that we stayed in it no matter what, because that's what, just what we did, right? That marriage was forever. And he said, what if it's not forever? What if it can be, what if you can be in a series of loving relationships that are there not to just be this thing, but to teach you about love? And I went, what did you just do? Because <laughs> I was like, it just took the complete winds out of my sails, right? I was just, I was not able to rant anymore. It was like, and um, he said, I just did yoga therapy. And I said, I want to learn how to do that. And, and what it did was basically just, it, it redirected my whole thought process or, into realizing that I didn't have to continue to believe the way I was believing I could, I could look at the situation differently. And that, and that's what, and that's what we do. We, in addition to, you know, looking at how it's affecting them physically, um, which, you know, traditional therapy, which I've been in for decades and believe, you know, believe in um, very strongly, but it doesn't tend to, to touch the physical aspect, right? And how, you know, your pain and grief and anxiety and all of that is showing up in your body. So the yoga side of it allows you to, um, to address that as well. Um, Beautiful. I think you just redirected some of our listeners' thoughts. Tell us about your your book and your first book, and I will repeat the name of it again. We've Got to Stop Meeting Like This, A Memoir of Missed Connections. What was that like for you to write it? And tell us a little about the book. Sure. A little more. Um, well, this, the, the title, I like to spend a little time on the title because I picked an incredibly long title. Um, titling is really hard to do. Uh, I did not know that until I wrote a book. <laughs> I think, Mary, you're writing, right? I think a book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Incredibly we've, hard. We've heard that from several of our author interviews. They yeah. always say that title yeah. is the hard part. Yes, it's it really is. It's hard. Um, and the, the title is actually a phrase in the book that shows up um, several times, uh, mostly to bite me and look me in. Uh, you know, I, I say the line, it's, an, it's not kind. Um, and I have to... I, I have to live with that. Um, but what I, I think that of the title is that um, I spend a lot of my, I spent a lot of my life pushing back the world and saying, I don't like it the way it is and it needs to stop. Right. And that's really what the line is. We've got to stop meeting like this. I don't want to continue to do it like this. Uh-huh. Um, and I had to learn that, that, you know, you can't push away life. You kind of have to accept that it's coming this way and, and surrender into, um, and not surrender like in a bad way, but surrender into the flow of it. Right. And let, and let it happen. Um, but, and, and that, and that, that's kind of what happens in the book. Um, so I, I started the book as a blog. It is, it was a 12 month blog, uh, originally called 12 months to Zenish. Um, and, um, uh, I thought it was going to be this great story about me getting divorced and doing yoga teacher training, which it still is, but, you know, meeting the love of my life and we'd go, go off in the sunset 
<laughs> and it didn't work out that way. Uh, and then when it changed, I was still writing the book and I started working with a coach. And, um, and so the book changed. And instead, so then it became the grief journey of that, of that, um, that second half. So um, it was a very therapeutic uh, write. Um, but I, you know, I really worked hard to make sure that it was a good journey for the reader. I think I had a choice at some point where I could start to write a book about that was more of a workbook or more of a, you know, a self-help book. And I didn't want to do that. I really wanted to write a story that everybody could relate to and enjoy reading, but also learn from, um, hopefully. Uh, and that seems to be the, the feedback. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm reading I'm really it now. Grateful for. I'm yeah. reading it now and, and you're incredibly open about all of your thoughts and feelings. And that's kind of interesting. I don't know that I could ever reveal stuff like that, like you reveal in the book, but I think it's very good read. Oh, good. And, but yeah. I wanted to ask you, what would you like our listeners to have as their main takeaway today? I think that nothing is ever over. I think you, you always have a chance to, to continue to grow and to can continue to add value and, and share what you've learned. I think sometimes we, we've come into these horrible things that happen in our lives. Um, and we have, great resilience, we can get past them and we can, um, you know, we have no idea what we can do. Um, and, and the only thing I, I love that I've been kind of thinking through this phrase, what would you do if you, if you knew you couldn't fail? And I think mm -hmm. we, a lot of times these things that happen to us feel like failures. We take them very personally and they aren't failures. They're just, uh, chances to grow. Um, again, I'm not always there in that first day, but eventually you can look back and it is a chance for you to grow and, um, and figure out, you know, what's the next thing that you're going to do and, and try not to think about failure. Try to think about the dreams and the intentions and the, the, the stretch goals, because I am one big stretch goal. You know, I wanted to write a book. I wanted to have a career where I could bring, you know, wellness techniques to work. I, um, I wanted to find the love of my life. I found all those things. Um, I'm one big stretch goal and, and you can do it too. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. That's wonderful. And if, if I knew I wouldn't ever fail, I think I would become a rock singer. <laughs> a rock star then then i see it in your future you can do it <laughs> well <laughs> you can do it i don't know anyway <laughs> for our listeners our guest today on late boomers has been donna ferris founder of mini change yoga look up her website minichangeyoga.com it's a beautiful site and you can oh, purchase you. her book there and once again, the book is called We've Got to Stop Meeting Like This, A Memoir of Missed Connections. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Donna. Thank you. And we want to remind our listeners to follow us on Instagram, on Late Boomers, and individually at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins. And visit our website, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z, and send us an email. Thanks again, Donna. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you.
for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.